We're continuing our study of the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, and this morning we get to perhaps the most well-known portion of the book of Ecclesiastes. The author gives us a poetic meditation on the nature of time, and time is something that we all have to deal with all the time. And we have desired to control time in all sorts of different ways. Maybe you have wanted to turn back time to undo a mistake that you have done or to enjoy a treasured memory again. Maybe you have wanted to freeze time where it is so that your children didn't grow up or so you could extend your vacation a few days longer. Maybe you've wanted to fast forward time to get past a difficult season or to get to something you are expectantly waiting for in the future right now. We've all fought against time. And in this passage, God seeks to correct us so that we can enjoy time now, knowing that all of the times are in God's hands. So this morning we're looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. You can find Ecclesiastes in the bulletin. We've got this passage printed out. It's also in your Bibles, roughly between Psalms and Isaiah. You can look in there. There's a few other books in there, but they're short. We're looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, and we'll be reading through verse 15. Let us hear the word of the Lord. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate a time for war, and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is, already has been. That which is to be, already has been. 
And God seeks what has been driven away. Let us pray. O Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, O God, that when You give to us Your Word, You do not shy away from hard subjects. That You provide us some kind of answer to the questions that most deeply confuse us and worry us. And so God, we thank You for speaking truth to us, for not leaving us in darkness, but shining Your light where it needs to be shown, showing us the way through Your Word that acts like a lamp for our feet. So God, I pray that You would use me in spite of my sin, in spite of my weakness, to faithfully proclaim Your Holy Word. And that You would give us ears to hear, O God. And that You, through the power of Your Spirit, might go forth with Your Word and work in us, changing hearts and minds that we would know You rightly and trust You fully and live for You obediently. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So looking at our passage today, I want us to consider how it shows that we get frustrated with time. And we're going to do that by doing a mini children's message inside our sermon today. Because we didn't have a children's message today, but here's the deal. This passage is better understood by children than by adults. And so kids, you can stay in your seats where you are, but listen up. Because you understand this better than mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. The Bible in our passage said there is a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to knock down your Legos and a time to build back up your Legos. And those are good examples. But I bet you kids have heard different examples. There's a time to get up for school. And there's a time to come home from school. There's a time to eat. And there's a time not to eat. There's a time to wake up in the morning and there is a time to go to bed at night. I know we say those kinds of things to our kids in our house all the time. It's time to wake up. It's time to go to school. It's time for dinner. It's time to take a bath. It's time for bed. And I imagine kids... That maybe, just maybe, you don't always agree with the time that you are told it is. That you don't want to wake up for school. That you are busy playing and don't want to come to dinner. That you are not tired at all. And isn't not bedtime. Not now. Maybe at school you're really hungry. And you're like, teacher, I want to go eat lunch. And she's like, I'm sorry, it's not lunchtime. It is not the time for lunch. Or maybe you are like, teacher, teacher, can we go out for recess? No, it is not the time for recess. And this can be really frustrating, right, kids? Because someone else is in charge of the times in your life. Someone else decided when school would start and when you would need to go to bed. Someone else decided when your lunch period would be. Someone else decided when your soccer practice would start. You may want to change those times, but you can't. That's what this passage is about. You kids know that. 
We have to help the grown-ups get it. Because they're kind of used to controlling other people's times. They're used to setting bedtimes and dinner times and when they wake up and when they go to bed, many of them. But there are times that even grown-ups, adults like me, we don't get to choose. We don't get to choose when work starts or when work ends all the time. Grown-ups don't get to choose when they get sick or when loved ones get sick. They don't get to decide when sad things happen. They didn't get to decide when they were born. And none of us get to decide when we die. We don't get to decide when is the right season for planting versus harvesting. We don't get to decide when it is summer versus winter. We don't get to decide whether there are 24 hours in the day or more than that. All of those times are outside of our control. And that's what our passage is teaching us today, both kids and adults alike. Verse 1 says this, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. The author of Ecclesiastes is telling us that there are seasons and times. They are that way. They are set. We cannot change the seasons and times. Yes, we can adjust the clock on our microwave after the power flashes off like I had to do this morning. Yes, you can even set your watch a few minutes fast so you're not as late as you normally are. You can do that. But you cannot set your clocks so that they always read peace, laughter, and healing. Because sometimes the clock strikes weeping suffering, and death. And like kids, we can say, I don't want to go to school. We may feel like we don't want to go through the hard time that we are experiencing, but it's not in our control. And like kids saying, is it Christmas morning yet? We may want time to just move along, but we don't get to make things come sooner. We don't know what tomorrow will hold. We don't even know what this afternoon will hold. And as much as we may try to schedule and plan our lives, the seasons that we face are not fully in our control. And that frustrates us. It does. But the Bible tells us that even though the times are out of our control, they are not out of control. Time is not random. We are told the times are set by God. He is the one who sovereignly sets the times. In verse 11, we are told, He has made everything beautiful in its time. God has determined when to plant and when to pluck up what is planted. He determines when nations rise and fall. He sovereignly schedules times of war and peace. He chooses the times of our birth and our death. God can do all of this because He is eternal. He stands outside of time because He existed before there was time. Our Old Testament reading from Psalm 90 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now we 
cannot fully comprehend what it means for God to be outside of time. Anytime you think about that, your brain just melts. It really struggles to think about what that is like. And yet the Bible tells us again and again that God always was, that there was never a time when God was not. He always was and he always will be. Like the author of a novel, God started with nothing and he chose what would be. Creating the setting, the characters, and the time. Setting the times with its twists and turns as the plot of his grand theme of redemption. And he is not contained within the story, but stands over and above the drama that unfolds here on earth. And though we all like to imagine that we are the authors of our own story, the captains of our ships, God is the divine author of all of our stories, of the story of the world. And so God is eternal, and that also means that He is unchangeable. That time changes us as we mature and as we age. Time changes us as we go through different circumstances that shape us. But God remains the same. He does not change who He is. That beautiful New Testament reading tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That God's character does not change. His truth does not change. We read in verse 14, I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. And so we cannot change who God is or what He has done. And the proper response, we are told, is to fear Him. Not like a frightened fear of dread and despair, like we're going to get squashed like an ant, but a reverent and humble respect and awe that God is that much bigger than we are. We are humbled by the truth that God is in control and we should seek to live by the times that He has set. God's standard time, if you will. Whatever that is. And as verses 12-13 through say, we should enjoy the time that God has given to us. That rather than wishing we could change all the seasons of our life, we should reverently receive what God has given to us. But boy, is that hard? Like, real hard. Because we don't know what times are coming our way. I know it's September. And after September is usually October. And then November, you know, like, that's how it works. I get that. I understand the leaves should be changing soon. I understand some of what is to come. And yet, on the times of my life, I don't know what's next. It's not there. I can plan. I can have dates in my calendar, schedule things out, like expecting this is going to... I don't know. We think about that a lot. Planning ahead, looking forward, and yet we don't know. We're told why. In verse 11, it says, God has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. See, we are not like animals who only focus on the here and now. We as human beings are capable of reflecting on the past and pondering the future. 
And though we are not capable of controlling time, we are capable of wanting to control time. So we have a desire to change the times, but not the ability. We have this unfulfilled, unrealizable desire to change the times. And it's, it, it drives us mad sometimes that we can feel like we've experienced too many bad times and we start to question the Lord and His sovereignty over time. And we wonder like, God, what if, what if you let me just set the times? What if like you do what you want to do, but then let me just have like a little edit button or two? We think that. We're lying if we say we don't think that. Because we ask, has God really made everything beautiful in its time for me? It says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. But it doesn't always feel that way. Why do I have to deal with chronic pain day after day? Why did I lose this loved one at this time? Why did it have to be my time to get sick? Why must my child rebel and turn away from the Lord? Why does it seem like my long-term plans keep getting wrecked by stuff that you're sending my way, God? Ecclesiastes is leaving us with these questions. The author wants us to have these questions. He doesn't want us to ignore these questions. God doesn't want us to just push those deep down and not think about them. He wants us to wrestle with all of these things because He knows there are ways that we can take these truths in part. That we can end up reading this and come away with only half we end up embracing a kind of stoicism. To be a stoic, an ancient Greek philosophy that life is out of your control and all you can do is simply accept what comes. Last year I read the uh, semi-autobiography of Ryan Shazier. He's the former Pittsburgh Steeler who was nearly paralyzed when he made a tackle on the field. And in that book, over and over again, he quotes and credits the ancient Greek Stoic philosophers with helping him get through his near paralysis. That he says, it has helped me accept that this has happened and just move on. That he has given up asking why this has happened and is ready to just live the life he has been given. Now, I admire a lot of what he writes in that book. I admire that he doesn't want to be bitter and resentful and he wants to move on and accept what has happened, except here's the thing. God has wired us to ask why. In this passage, we are told that God puts eternity into our hearts. He puts these longings of why things are the way they are. Why is the story not going according to the plan I think it should? And if that's true, then God wants us asking these questions. And we should encourage one another to wrestle with these questions in prayer. That why so many people face so many hard times 
if there is such a good God? The Bible never shies away from that. In fact, it has books devoted to it. The one we'll be doing in adult Sunday school downstairs starting next week, the book of Job. It is one man's wrestling with that very problem. The Bible does not want us to turn away, but to ask those questions. Because the Bible can provide an answer. It's not an answer that makes all the hurt go away. It's not an answer that doesn't leave us asking a few more questions, but it is a good answer. See, we can be sure that God is making everything beautiful in its time because our God stepped into time to show us a glimpse of the beautiful end that He is working towards. In Galatians 4, we read this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. We're told that at just the right time, God sent His Son into the world to save the world. And though the Son existed from all eternity, He took on flesh and lived in time, experiencing the changes of human life. And Jesus went all through those changes from in the womb all the way to adulthood and death. He underwent all of those changes without changing His righteous character because He perfectly obeyed the law. And we read throughout the Gospels that near the end of His life, Jesus knew His time had come. He said the appointed hour of His death drew near. And yet Jesus did not fight against it. Jesus did not stoically accept it either. He endured all of the suffering, trusting that His Father had set the times for good. And that God would use this time for the salvation of His sinful people. And the success of that redemption plan, the glimpse of the end is seen in the resurrection of Jesus as the eternal Son rose to never die again. And He went through that time of pain so that we could be with Him for all time. Knowing that even the time of our death could not separate us from the eternal love of Jesus Christ. And so this saving work of Jesus shows us that God sets even the worst times for ultimate good, ensuring they accomplish His beautiful purposes. And so unlike the Stoics, we Christians can do more than accept what comes. We can trust that whatever comes, comes to us from the hand of a good God who sovereignly works all things for the good of those who love Him. Yes, He sets hard times. He sets hard times in countless ways that make us question. But we know that the God who sets hard times has been through the hardest of times Himself. And He has used it for good. And so this morning, we are sitting in a place where God is writing a story. And we are in that story. And we can look back at the pages that come before us. And we can look forward and see blank pages. And yet God is kind enough to show us the last page. To show us, you don't know what's coming. You don't know what I'm writing in these pages before you. But here is the last page. Here's where we're going. Isn't it nice to know the end 
right now. But that end is good for those who trust in Him. Because at that end, there will also be a judgment day. A time for war and a time for peace. A time for love. A time for hate. There's a time for salvation as well as a time for judgment. And so the time we are given now is a time to believe in Jesus. That today, for you, for someone you love, it might be the day when the story changes its endings. When there is hope in Christ given to someone. That God works through His Word for the good news of the Gospel to make unlikely stories turn out good. And so it is my prayer that rather than wishing we could rewrite our story, wishing we could get God to follow our preferred schedule, that we would enjoy the time that God has given to us. Sharing with others about the times He has given to us and where we are going in time. Knowing there is a beautiful end, an end that will have uninterrupted and unceasing joy with Christ for all who trust in Him. Let us long for that last page, no matter what comes. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You that You tell us the, be- the end from the beginning. That we know that You are a far better author than the best authors today. And there is a lot of drama. There are a lot of pages of our lives where there are tears. Where there is heartbreak. Where we imagine that this story cannot get better. And yet, O God, You have written the end. You have written every page in between. And we trust, O Lord, that You are good. That You are with us by the Spirit. And that You will bring us to that end. That joyful, eternal end with Christ. In His name we pray. Amen.